I love this account. Like it's this really ticks all my boxes. You know, they're, they're doing the research, they're providing the sources, and you can make your own decision for yourself. You know, whether or not the uh, the the sources help to form a, a narrative in your mind. Kalani's amazing episodes on the James Yu situation. I don't know who that is. Personally, I wanted to uh, want to know if he does know more about the Baghdad bombings, bombs over Baghdad, huh? The the bombings in the fifties we were talking about earlier, fifty fifty one or so, or was that fifty four? I can't remember. The James Yu situation, the the explosion in Arlington, huh? That's awesome. All right, I think I think they're connecting again. All right, Kalani. Yeah. Can you hear me? Yo, I can. Perfect. We're good. We're totally good. Right on. I am so sorry about that. Uh, the CIA. No, it's the CIA. Steve got you, dude. I was gonna say exactly. It's uh, Team Jorge. It's um. It's the uh, <laughs> Unit eighty two hundred. It's the yeah. <laughs> those incredible uh, Zionist cybersecurity hacktivists. Mm-hmm. They just they they tore me down. Um, you know that little red light that comes on when you turn your computer on? That's the CIA. <laughs> Most yeah, definitely, yeah. 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 Uh, I was just saying, you know, we were right there in the middle of it there. We were talking about, who, who were we mentioning? We were, we were in the midst of talking about that uh, uh, enlistment um, or employment of, of Mercs by El yeah. Al, right? Um, and Mordecai Rahamin, um, this this paratrooper who got thrown under the bus. Um, yeah. And I mean, I think we can move on from, um, Benny Davida, you brought up, um, Eli and, and Zara, right. Uh, maybe we, we move on to the next generation. So you, you mentioned, uh, Pepsi, right? Yeah. Pepsi and Burger King. Pepsi and Burger King. Deal with that. (laughs) Yeah. Um, so I think the person that's been doing, uh, or that has tweeted about colon to lover. Yeah, 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 exactly. Do you have their tweets? I got you. Yeah, it says uh, David I's dad appears to have been in business with Alan Quasha since he brought Pepsi to Romania with Quasha's money in the early 90s. Sort of reminds me when they brought Pizza Hut to the Soviet Union. Exactly. Quasha's a very shady money man with ties to Bush, Clinton, the Saudis, and U.S. intelligence and the Marcos dictatorship sounds bad. Oh yeah. Um, so yeah, who's this guy talking about the Quashas? Let's see. Uh, there. So there's this helpful uh, diagram regarding the Harkin Energy Corporation, um, yeah. and yeah, all of these like overlapping CIA fronts, uh, corporations, Intel proxies, different uh, individuals involved with this kind of stuff that that connects. Um, the, the Quashas to Nugent Hand, the Union Bank of Switzerland, the CIA, um, and, you know, the, the Bushes. Um, and Good. just to give a sense of uh, what Nugent Hand is, so um, in the, the same article um, that that diagram is pulled from, uh, there's this uh, subsection two in the Nugent Hand that uh, writes, George W. Bush and the Bass brothers are not the only children of prominent parents parents involved in Harkin. Harkin director and former chairman Alan G. Quasha is the son of powerful Philip Pines lawyer William H. Quasha. Published accounts have documented connections between the senior Quasha and Australia's infamous Nugent Hand Bank. 
official Australian government investigations during the late 1970s and early 1980s revealed Nugenhan's involvement in drug money laundering and ties to the U.S. military and intelligence community. Uh, Nugenhan co-owner and vice chairman Michael John Hand, a Green Beret war hero and CIA operative, was also a pal of dope dealers, um, and so on and so forth. Uh, and so, so Alan Grant Quasha was connected to that via his father, William Quasha, right? Um, Alan Grant Quasha, uh, is very much enmeshed in business, involved in business with Eli Davidai. Uh, so one of the major interlocks would be, um, the Quadrant Management, uh, Inc., or Quadrant Management, Inc., uh, for which, uh, Alan Grant Quasha is founder and CEO. And, uh, Eli Davidai, uh, I believe since 2017 has been managing director. Now, uh, Quadrant Management is owned by, um, this, uh, company called Everest Hill Group Incorporated, um, which also owns a majority stake in Arc Group Worldwide Incorporated, uh, for which Eli Davidai is the general manager of operations and the on the board of directors since like 2018. And Arc Group, to my understanding, uh, has gotten involved or does all kinds of like uh, metal manufacturing, 3D printing, I believe even 3D printed weapons. I think that account, uh, yeah, Berman Jewish databank peruser. Oh. Um, I think that they've spoken to this in one of their threads, how, uh, I think it's via arc group that Eli Davidai is, uh, profiting in arms manufacturing and trading. Um, so yeah, there he's, he's all tied up with that network, um, which connects to these, you know, CIA proxies, uh, foreign companies run by uh, uh, Green Beret and CIA operatives that were involved in uh, money laundering, drug smuggling, all of these things. I think that stuff connects to uh, Iran-Contra as well. Um, so, yeah, uh, pretty shady nexus, right? Oh um, another fun wow. <laughs> another fun fact about the, the Davidais is, so this is more... Um, Shy's mom's wheelhouse, I believe. Uh, but they have both um, gifted, made considerable financial donations to a hospital uh, in in Israel. Yep. This would be the uh, Sheba Tel Hashomer Hospital. Um, and Zara is also the chairman of the Afula Hospital Friends Association. So they're one of the largest donors to yeah. this this Israeli hospital. Um, and specifically the hospital's pacemaker unit. And evidently it's the very pacemaker unit where Bibi Netanyahu <laughs> had yep. a pacemaker put in his chest and it's named after them. So that's also pretty wild. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. They, they basically uh, enabled that, that operation on, uh, on the Zionist. Um, yeah. yeah. PM. I got, I got this link pulled up with the, um, with the 
the the right the company got an award for making a part of a rifle the Israeli military uses. So Shai David Eye's family is getting rich off of. Uh, is it fair to say the Israeli military industrial complex? I would say so. Sort of enriching themselves off the genocide of Palestinians as well. Yeah, incredible. Which uh, I think goes to pay for his uh, his one million plus dollar condo in in New York City. Is that right? Yeah, one point five. Yeah, one point five million dollar townhouse. Yeah. Uh, sounds nice yeah not not shabby for an assistant professor right like not even i don't think he's even mm. tenured and he's living in a, a 1.5 million dollar townhouse <laughs> that's that's pretty fucking crazy uh, in my little nepotism yeah. little nepo baby uh-huh. he's gonna tell us about how how is, he's telling little nepo baby is telling us about how college students on campus chanting from the river to the sea makes him feel unsafe dude good feel unsafe you fucking nerd it is so great that you bring up nepo babies too because guess what i don't know if i don't know if you've uh seen this yet but if you go through shy's cv and look at all of his publications uh and his media appearances at least one of them is him uh throwing cold water or attempting to on the whole nepo baby thesis so he's oh my god <laughs> yeah he's a pathetic yeah he's running interference for the for the capitalist elite on yeah uh in in the trenches waging waging that uh, ideological war on uh the nepo baby uh meme yeah it's it's pretty funny i can't tell the difference between him and um the son of that other guy from jaws <laughs> They're the fucking same, dude. Um, I can't remember anyone's name when it's important to do so. That's just how my brain doesn't work. I understand. I, I can yeah. empathize. It happens to yeah. me, too. I have to have my yeah my notes in front of me. Or just, right? Yeah. Well, we're doing fine. I think everyone's starting to... Is picking up mostly what we're putting down here. And so that maybe gives us... Does, do you think that gives us enough background on Shy David Eye's family? What else do we need to talk about here? Yeah, I think that gets us... Um, I think we've covered the crucial pieces, uh, and the rest yeah. would mostly be yeah. minutia and you know details. I think I think folks have the broad strokes, and for time's sake, maybe we move on to some of the other stuff okay. that's happened on on yeah. campus. So let's 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 do that. Let's bring us up to today. Uh, this brings us back to Shy David Die and him uh, going viral with his video, which seemed very much designed to go viral in a in a very uh, specific way. Um, and we get into these op-eds and the manufactured uh, virality, a concerted effort to push his shit. We saw him on uh, 60 Minutes. Uh, I saw him uh, being interviewed by some guy that I think was associated with this organization called Accuracy in Media. Are you familiar with Ooh, this? He was on yeah, campus yeah, yeah. the other day getting interviewed. The Bad Aim. The Bad Aim. Bad Aim. Yeah, we have the uh, the American Indian Movement, and then we have this one as well. This, this is, is the, the bad, bad one. Aim. This yeah. is the bad one. <laughs> yeah, Accuracy in Media. Fox News covered our latest campaign to expose anti-Semitic students and faculty across the country. Of course, they're saying... There's, they're making the claim that anyone who says from the river to the sea, anyone who stands for Palestinian liberation, somehow they're anti-Semitic. Yeah. People who oppose a, a genocide of of, uh, of Palestinians, they're anti-Semitic. That's pretty much pretty much their their deal. To go to. And they're on campus and allegedly they're interviewing. I can't find the, the picture of him actually interviewing Shai on campus, you know, in public, which I, I don't think Zionists belong in public but that's that's a whole another discussion <laughs> and accuracy in media is 
uh, on on the back of this truck, their feature, their logo here is featured on on this truck, which they call the doxing yeah. trucks. Tell us about that, Kalani. Well, my understanding is that this first made an appearance at Harvard University, right? And they yeah. uh, they rolled up the doxing truck and uh, yeah, um, scrolled a, a litany of um, BDS and pro-Palestinian organization associated, um, you know, student body activists uh, outside of Harvard. That yeah, they they posted up with the truck um, and just effectively doxed and threatened uh, all of these you know, all of these Harvard students who, um, of the goodness of their heart, uh, recognize what is a, a genocide and, you know, just a, an incredible uh, travesty and uh, one of the one of the utmost evils that we, you know, we've witnessed in the modern era, the, the violence that's been um, wrought upon the, the Palestinian people. Um, and so so they doxed all these folks and it's and it's a part of this larger, um, you know, uh, Zionist playbook, uh, Israeli um, intelligence proxy and lobbying group playbook to combat uh, BDS and um, campus activism and uh, just the pro-Palestinian Palestinian movement moreover. Um, and they don't just use trucks to dox people. Um, they actually try to weaponize information that they... Uh, compile, um, they'll, they'll take it to people's, uh, employers, right. They'll, they'll try to get people removed from their mm -hmm. jobs. We see, we see this, um, frequently, uh, Michael Rapoport would be another, uh, example of like an Israeli mouthpiece that, uh, is creating mm -hmm. these kinds of, um, newfounded, uh, like NGOs or whatnot, um, that have this mm -hmm. kind of focus. But yeah, so the the whole doxing truck thing happened, and then it looks like they they brought it to Colombia. Um, something regarding Shai. So to get at his connections to different kinds of like Israeli lobbying groups, uh, and um, this, yeah, I mean, I guess the way I would characterize it is you have uh, private intelligence proxies like Psy Group, uh, which was started by these different, you know, um, ex Mossad officials. Uh, folks associated with the IDF, um, a, a private intel company that was that was begun by these Israeli intelligence types uh, to um, surveil campus activists. So that's an example of uh, one of the groups that has worked in tandem with lobbying groups like like the ADL or APAC or um, you know campus organizations. Uh, I mean. I guess I don't know whether it would qualify as a campus organization, but uh, Hillel International, which, you know, the entire purpose is to try and organize, um, you know, Jewish student bodies uh, for the purpose of um, indoctrinating them into Zionist ways of thinking. Right. Uh, and these kinds of groups uh, often work in tandem to literally spy on students uh, and and actually weaponize this information. We we might return to this later, but um, there's this like project proposal or uh, prospectus that was put out for the second phase of this Psy Group run surveillance surveillance and BDS um, combating project uh, titled Project Butterfly. Um, that uh, if you yeah if if we look at it, if we have a chance, you'll see that there's this. Um, fascinating uh, and very instructive uh, blueprint 
for um, how they're utilizing these groups to collect information and then weaponize it. I mean, it gets scarier than that, too. Like there are literally Israeli officials, um, you know, former ministers of what used to be, uh, I think, strategic affairs and now is foreign affairs that have called for targeted civil assassinations of, uh, you know, folks associated with with BDS. Right. Um, But shy, shy. uh, So I rattled off a couple of these different groups. Right. And um, one way in which he connects, we have evidence of him collaborating with these kinds of organizations on campus uh, since the the viral stunt that he pulled on November 1st of 2023 uh, on a Wednesday ADL hosted uh, an important hashtag fighting hate from home session featuring featuring whoever Jay Greenblatt from the ADL is Professor uh, Shai Davidai um, Halel at Georgia Tech President Talia Siegel and ADL's um, S.J. Goodman on the rampant anti-Semitism and anti-Zionism we're seeing on college campuses. So there they go again, trying mm-hmm. to you know uh, draw this false um, rhetorical equivalency between uh, anti-Zionism and anti-Semitism, uh, right? Um, and mm-hmm. uh, a note about Hillel. So um, Hillel is the organization that founded another uh, similar. Um, yeah, propaganda outfit and uh, campus org called uh, Israel on Campus Coalition. Um, and they've done a lot of this spying on collegiate activists. Um, and it was founded by Hillel International in 2002. And I'll just add that the very next year, Epstein's foundation gave Hillel a $50,000 donation. And again, in 2005, um, and relatedly, a Hillel chairperson uh, was recently on ICC's board simultaneously. So both chairperson <laughs> for Hillel at the same time that they were uh, on the ICC board. Uh, Epstein also helped to facilitate um, the – so Les Wexner gave, uh, I think, $500,000 or something like that. Let's see. where Where is this? Uh I'm not sure it was 500,000, but um, but Epstein, so per the Harvard Crimson, Epstein quote unquote facilitated, but didn't actually fund Wexner's donation to construct Harvard Hillel building, director says. Um, Got it. Yeah. So uh, not only has Epstein um, given individual donations and foundational donations to Hillel, um, but he also uh, helped to facilitate uh, Wexner's huge gift to to build this, yeah, pretty pretty fancy ass uh, Hillel building there on on Harvard campus. So, a movement to boycott, divest, and impose sanctions on Israel (BDS) was formed on American campuses. Seems to be achieving its goals. Threatens future American support for Israel. We believe in justice for all people. That means the occupation has to end. Israel's Ministry of Strategic Affairs responded with a covert operation to defeat BDS. So Israeli government leverages Jewish organizations yes. in the diaspora. Absolutely. It's a psychological campaign involving spying and smears. 
You discredit the messenger as a way of discrediting the message. Just stay on message. And what is that message? BDS is a hate movement. While our reporter monitored pro-Israel groups, he was asked to go undercover for the lobby. You're going into enemy territory. Not for everybody. a different government working on foreign soil and we have to be very very cautious we have three different sub campaigns which are very very sensitive regarding data gathering information analysis working on activist organization money trail this is something that only a country with its resources can do the best want to win, we have to change our ways. We have to think differently. And this is waging a holistic campaign against the other side. Take him out of his comfort zone. Make him be on the defensive. Israel is involved in a secretive influence campaign whose aim is to discredit its challenges in the West. In the Air Force, when you want to win, you have to have aerial superiority. If you want to win a campaign, you must have information superiority. And this is exactly the added value Israel capabilities, technological and otherwise, we can bring to the game, and we are working on that very hard. In the United States, the lobby is working with Israel to spy on American citizens. We're giving them uh, data, for example, one day Sima's deputy is sending me a photo, just a photo in WhatsApp. So can boycott Israel on a billboard. In like a few hours, our systems and analysts could find the exact organization, people, and even their names where they live. We gave it back to the ministry. I have no idea what they did with this. But in fact, three days later, there were no billboards. What are the chances he's, he paid for his uh, his condo with, with Epstein money? Is there any chance? <laughs> you never know. I mean, you never yeah. Know. Uh, was, um, oh, what is it? Uh, I think there's a decent chance that um, Epstein was uh, mega, right? The, I think it's mega, was the code name for the like topmost Zionist asset in uh in the united states um circa like news pieces regarding jonathan pollard right folks in the chat probably know about jonathan pollard the former nsa employee who gave who didn't just gave uh he he was paid to pass troves and troves and troves of uh confidential um classified documents uh you know american uh intelligence and uh security documents to Israel. Um, he was remunerated, uh, handsomely for his, yeah, his, you know, I mean, it's not so much that I care about someone being traitorous to the Imperial core, but, uh, in this instance, it's, uh, it's pretty bad, but, um, 
but yeah, like in yeah. these articles, uh, circa the Jonathan Pollard story, um, I remember reading one. I don't have it in front of me. I think it was like a, maybe an LA Times piece that was talking about how, um, yeah, different uh, Israeli intel officials, or no, correction, American intel officials had uh, learned about this code name. Uh, I think it was Mega, if I remember correctly. Chat might be able okay. to correct me if I'm wrong. Code name Mega, uh, who was like the top top agent working in the States. And you think about like Epstein's, uh, you know, his, his compromise, um, compiling, uh, sex trafficking ring, right. Uh, very intricate, um, effective means of, uh, yeah, getting all this dirt on, on politicians and uh, some of the most powerful people in the States. Um, there is the possibility that I think, if I remember correctly, and I might be bastardizing this, but um, I believe even some recordings, yeah, Israel had bugged the White House phone and overheard calls between uh, Clinton and Monica Lewinsky, right? Um, as well. I don't know if folks know that. <laughs> no way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, BB, I think there's just BB like, Net and Yahoo. That is so that. Israel. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. That is so Israel. That is their like favorite thing to do. So they just they they use intelligence as their as one of their strengths. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. They they uh, they love their human. Their uh, yeah, they're they're specialists. Yeah. Um, we give them all of their signals intelligence or not all of it, but like a fair bit of it. Um, and then they have, you know, they've pulled off this remarkable uh, infiltration operation. And I mean, they don't just do it to the United States. Yeah. They do. But uh, what, what, I think what we're spelling out, please, please. please oh, yeah. I was yeah. just going to say, so maybe, you know, what, what the question you were posing, which I think was half facetious of, uh, was the townhouse bought with Epstein bucks? It's not impossible is all I would say. It's not. It's like, Fuck. Yeah, you never know. It's not impossible. It's not impossible. But but the, the the link there is is Shai Davidai and his family and Shai uh, being linked up with these organizations such as the Israel on Campus Coalition, um, this Intel proxy, this Israeli Intel proxy. They spy on college uh, collegiate activists. They sort of blackmail them into uh, organizations, not just like Hillel, but also Canary Mission. Also, absolutely, um, maybe some others that I'm thinking of that uh, blackmail students into giving apologies and then they post their apologies on the internet. What was that website chat? Did anyone remember? We looked at that yesterday or the day before. It's incredible. Yeah. It's sickening uh, stuff. Incredible stuff. And then, and then they blackmail them. They, they try to hurt their professional careers. They prevent them from getting jobs all just because uh, a pro Palestinian protester will go to a, a protest and, and, and that's, that's, that's how they get outed. That's, yeah. that's why you guys got to be really careful if you go to these, go to these things. Um, whereas if they took a picture of me and I was there, that would look good for me and I'd get more viewers, but, uh, <laughs> but I'm not in a, in a, in a sort of an, in a professional context in that sense. So shy David, I is explicitly linked to organizations that are spying on college students on campus and terrorizing their lives all the while he's crying about students who are saying from the river to the sea. Yeah. Is it, is it time for us to jump to what's happening on uh, Columbia uh, campus? What happened in the last uh, week or two here? Ooh, yeah. It was about two weeks ago. I think this would you be a good segue. I... So one last nugget. Yeah. Uh, before I got Please. blocked from uh, Shai's Twitter, <laughs> one thing that I did see, uh, you know, on my on my Shai uh, Davidai beat, uh, going, through, going through the comments is um, 
I saw that this blue check account called, I think it's Jewish Defense Corps, uh, oh, yeah. hit up hit up Shy under one of his his threads and was like, hey, I'm going to be in Colombia in five days uh, and and we should hang out. Um, and the thing to know about this Jewish Defense Corps, and, and you don't just have to take it from me, um, this is a Twitter account. I, I'm uncertain. It seems at least that there are uh, individuals um, associated. Whoever owns the account is doing uh, like actual, I won't call it activism. I'll, I'll call it um, counter protesting, I guess, but um, with an additional uh, threatening quality. Um, and yeah, he goes to college campuses and he, and he carries like a big American flag and a big, uh, Israeli flag, two fascist genocidal flags. And he, and he stirs up, he, he tries to get people to argue with him. So he, you know, so he's got video of him being the victim, which Zionists love to act like they're victims. Exactly. Um, but the thing is, yeah. so I don't think that, uh, this account and I'm uncertain whether it's, uh, connected to a you know, an actual organization in the background or not, or whether this is just an individual that's trying to uh, foment a new paramilitary. But he himself um, speaks to the influence that Jewish Defense League founder uh, Mir Kahan had on him. Uh, and so there's a post from 12, 10, 23, less than, yeah, or I guess just over a month ago, right, um, where he posted a a speech by JDL founder Mir Kahan, um, where he describes it as one of the greatest speeches ever from my hero. Um, the truth hurts, but will set you free. I was a speech at UCLA. Um, and if you, if you're unfamiliar with the Jewish defense league, we're talking about a, yeah, tell us about that. Yeah. An incredibly racist, um, yeah. Ultra Zionist, fascist, paramilitary, uh, Krav Maga fighting, paramilitary that has literally killed people, um, including, I believe, uh, Alex O'Day, um, who was the, uh, a director, uh, of the, uh, American Arab Anti-Discrimination Committee, um, in California, who was killed in 1985 when his LA office was bombed by pro-Israel activists, um, and, uh, my understanding is that the JDL, I think it's the JDL that carried that out, I believe. Um, and there was this whole, this infiltrator, Roy Bullock, um, th who was also an FBI informant, uh, who was working directly for, um, yeah, so who was working for the Anti-Discrimination League to get dirt on, on organizations like the ADC, the uh, American Arab Anti-Discrimination Committee, unions. Um, so he was spying all, on all of these people. In fact, um, at one point, he infiltrated a delegation that Nancy Pelosi put together, this Arab yeah. delegation that she put together. Um, and he was directly involved in getting the intel um, that led to the death of Alex O'Day, the bombing of this uh, office. And I think the JDL uh, were the ones that um, carried that out. I got your tweet here. Yep. And recently, the ADC uh, has put out a press release, um, this is since October 7th, stating that they are alarmed by hate groups and the re-emergence of the JDL. So all of which is to say that it's there's a decent likelihood that this 
Jewish Defense Corps account could well be uh, a, you know, uh, actually trying to carry on the 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 JDL um, tradition. Yeah, take take on that mantle. Um, and so, uh, big yikes. Yeah, if 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 you're still able to see uh, Shy Davide's uh, Twitter account, um, try to track whether he ever communicates with that account. Firstly, I'd like to state that the Jewish Defense League is against the whole concept of people bearing arms. However, being realists, we understand that there are over 100 million arms, firearms, in this country at this point. And with the polarization of left and right and the frequent, or all too frequent, uh, seizures of arms throughout this nation, we think it's time for Jews to bear arms, to buy arms legally. Well, on uh, one side of your mouth, you're saying you don't believe in the principle, and then the other, you're saying that uh, let's have them. Uh, how do you reconcile the two? I don't speak out of both sides of my mouth. I, I speak straight. And what I say is that other people have arms. And it's unfortunate when other people have arms, especially the wrong kind of people have arms. And since they exist, and they have gone to the extreme, the Jews are just moving up and taking their constitutional right to bear arms. Rabbi Kahani, you were just recently convicted uh, in connection with this arms thing and given a suspended sentence. Now, do you back this movement for collecting arms for Jews? Oh, yes, yes. I think this is, this is something which, of course, I, I have personally wanted now for many, many years. I think that uh, the surest guarantee to have a bully stop bullying people is to realize that there is a very good chance of his of his nose getting uh, bloodied and that's the basic reason i think for this and uh, i would hope that the people understand why we're uh, doing it and take an active part in this campaign so the, the kind of um terror inducing activism that that guy is involved in i think could segue us to what you wanted to talk about which is the the recent skunk water attack uh at columbia right yeah, let's do that. Let's do that. The recent skunk water. So skunk water is um, it's a it's it's a chemical weapon. Is that unfair to say? I don't think it's unfair to say at all. Yeah. Yeah. And recently, there were students on the, the campus of Columbia who were uh, protesting out there, and and they got uh, they got they got attacked with this spray. One of these one of these students is uh, is Layla. It's Layla's here on. On Twitter, and they've been posting about it at length. It's been 15 or so days since they were attacked. Ten students went to the hospital uh, for treatment. They've had to throw out tons and tons of clothes because anything that it touches, it just ruins it, and it smells like complete shit. This is also the same stuff, I, if I understand correctly. They have in like the West Bank yeah. and in, and maybe in Gaza as well. They and have, Israel. The IDF has like trucks. And in Israel, they have trucks that go around spraying entire neighborhoods with this shit. Yeah. It is despicable stuff. So what's the story here? Allegedly, it was done by by two, two uh, former IOF soldiers who are now uh, students at, at, uh, at Columbia. 
Uh, allegedly, these are the guys we can't really, I can't really be for sure whether or not these are the guys, everyone said, so don't go out and like start taking action or whatever. But these are allegedly two of the guys at this pro-Palestinian protest. One of them's wearing an Israeli cap with the Israeli flag on it. And they've been, allegedly been identified. And, and, and Columbia said they were kicked off campus, but people say they keep seeing them everywhere. Yeah. And here they are at the protest. Allegedly, they these folks were protesting for Palestine and allegedly they just started they said they just started smelling something really badly and and that was the that was the chemical attack and it's it's used skunk using skunk spray um i don't know what what else do we need to know about that i think yeah you're hitting the most important points um All right so my understanding is skunk water is an israeli conceived and manufactured malodorant that is sold to okay. police departments in the united states which um speaks to the you know entanglement um the the two-way traffic of you know the this purported satellite of uh the the imperial core sometimes it's hard to you know increasingly i struggle to understand who's really like controlling who because um yeah the, mm, yeah. Back, the back and forth is um pretty pretty wild and uh yeah uh, the Zionists are very. I mean, I mean, we could we could say we could say generally speaking, the U.S. is the hegemon, but that that yeah. doesn't and it's dominant, but it does and it's just like base and superstructure. It doesn't mean the superstructure doesn't affect the base. In this instance, the base would be the global hegemon. The superstructure, if you're following my analogy, chat would be Israel. It doesn't mean that Israel and especially their intelligence when they're gathering, you know, a, a compromat on on different people. And by the way, we might, might want to talk about what's happening with uh, with OnlyFans. Oh yeah, because uh, I'm worried. I'm definitely worried about that. Um, they use this compromise against people to make them do what they want. Uh, at the same time, it it doesn't mean that the global hegemon isn't generally dominant. Yeah, totally. I agree. That that was a great uh, parsing of that dynamic. I feel like. But yeah, so uh, skunk waters. Yeah, like you were saying, it it's used in these these water cannons. Uh, you know, part of that. Um, that process of uh, just breaking the spirits of anyone that might try to oppose the the ethno state, the the pedo state, this really um, horrendous regime, right? And and then also just to brutalize Palestinians, um, be they living yeah. uh, in one of the occupied territories or in Israel, um, it it happens to yeah. Uh, Arabs living. This in is Israel. this is Jerusalem. A, a photo of uh, the IDF spraying Jerusalem. You guys. Yeah. The historic city of Jerusalem, incredible. Yeah, story. and anti-Zionist protesters uh, like Hasids, uh, Hasidim in uh, Jerusalem definitely get sprayed with this stuff. Uh, I, I would assume. And uh, and then allegedly these guys on the campus of Columbia got their hands on it, or uh, a version of it, or whatever, and they were spraying, uh, spraying uh, students there. And of course, Shai David, is such a great guy that he really cares about these students, and he's. And he's, he, he cares about the violence being perpetrated against them. Wait, hold on. What's that? Oh, no, I'm getting news that he doesn't give a shit about them. <laughs> he only cares about the safety of Zionist students. Exactly. So uh, he's, he only cares about the safety of Zionist students. And at the same time, people uh, got a lot of people saying that uh, he's guilty of what we could call uh, stochastic terrorism, which is, uh, you know, which is what. I suppose intellectuals would do or people in media would do to try to whip up violence against people and then act like they had nothing to do with Absolutely, it. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, we all see, we all see, you know, the Matt Walsh's of the world, the, uh, the, the Ben Shabibos of the world sort of, uh, sort of doing this. I think, I think, I think Matt Walsh is probably the most guilty of it. 
uh, out of that group. But 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 and, and then he and then shy David guy gets to, gets to act like he had nothing to do with it because he goes, well, I don't stand for any violence. At the same time, he sh- he simps for Israel, who's literally genociding absolutely people right now. It's it's just he, he speaks out of both sides of his mouth all the fucking time. It makes me insane. Doesn't make any kind of. Uh comment or real, you know, um, meaningful disavowal of those students. And then at the same time is literally calling for the the surveillance and the suppression of, you know, any, any protest movement that might be slightly critical <laughs> of Israel even. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You think, you think there's any, any truth to the possibility that he is a stochastic terrorist? Uh, that is, that sounds on point to me. Yeah. Um, that's uh, a phrase that I'm not super familiar with, but based on uh, how you've described it, it, yeah, it sounds like uh, an astute descriptor for him. He's definitely, yeah, he, you know, he does all of these fear appeals, this, this fear mongering, and he's trying to, to foment gin up violence against people, against critics of, of Israel by calling them Hamas, not even sympathizers, but like pro terrorist activists, right? Or, and, and to be perfectly clear by saying this, I'm not implying that people shouldn't be sympathetic uh, to the armed resistance movement um, against Israeli genocide. I'm simply pointing out that their rhetorical strategy is to um, paint protesters as quote-unquote terrorists. I certainly support any freedom fighter or resistance movement who refuses to take a genocide laying down. But the other point is also just that, you know, there are a lot of people um, involved with like BDS or uh, other pro-Palestinian movements who aren't revolutionaries in that sense of the word or who um, aren't supportive of armed resistance um, and for whom uh, quote-unquote nonviolent strategies such as applying economic pressure is about as far as they'll go. So the whole point being uh, we cannot accept their Hasbara on their terms. We have to refuse uh, these equivalencies that um, Davidai tries to draw. We need to continue to frame Palestinian resistance efforts as um, akin to the Warsaw Ghetto Uprising or, uh, you know, perhaps the ANC's military wing called the Spear of the Nation or uh, the Pan-Africanist Congress's resistance core. The point simply being don't allow the Hasbarists to set the terms and refuse their quote-unquote terrorist shit-coding. Or else turn the tables, turn it back on them, and point out how uh, Israel's very existence has been sustained by an extended 75-year-plus campaign of terror. This is hugely important because Shai doesn't just call uh, pro-Palestinian protesters in the U.S. terrorists. I mean, he's gone further than that, too. Um, He's he's posting on Twitter being like, oh, look. Protests in New York City are being financed by Iran via Russia. Um, so he, yeah, he's uh, definitely doing this very disingenuous um, stochastic mm-hmm. terrorism sounds, yeah, like uh, the most apt descriptor.
And at the same time, he's posting on Twitter about this poster that you may have seen. It says, beware, skunk on campus. There's a picture of a, a skunk that's that's like blue, and it sort of looks like the Israeli flag. It's got the stripes and the Star of David on it. Um, he's posting about it, and he's he's making himself the victim out of this whole thing. At the same time, he's what I think is, and you can stop me if I'm wrong, it's fair to say he's, he's sort of weaponizing his obtuseness. He's weaponizing... Uh, he's faking his ignorance about what happened with this chemical attack with this thing which was called skunk spray. And he's posting this and he's acting like he has, these two things are not connected. He's not even making the connection. He knows exactly what he's doing, though. He knows that this attack happened because we've seen him say on Twitter, oh, well, I don't support violence. Don't do this. This is bad. Absolutely. But he's, he's, he's doing this like very like, oh, don't do that. Wink, wink is what I think he's doing. Yeah, yeah. And then he's weaponizing this, this, this obtuseness, acting like these events have nothing to do with each other. Um, and, and of course he's trying to make himself the victim at the, in the same process. Totally. Um, uh, Kalani, are you familiar with the term Darvo? Uh, it rings a bell, but it's, it's not coming to me the second. Yeah. F fill me in. Deny attack. Oh, right. Yeah. Reverse victim and offender. Yeah. This is like one of his main fucking things. So he denies that that something's happening. He attacks the people who are making the claim. And then the pre and then in in the real world the the real victim and the the real offender he switches their roles so he's made himself the victim again despite the fact that he has never had any fucking skin in the game yeah totally all he has known all he has known is privilege and nepotism um and uh, denying and supporting genocide I think he's a, a, a genocide denier and he's a genocide uh, apologist absolutely um and he's weaponizing all of this against uh the general uh the general critiques of israel and also he's using this to uh foment uh, uh foment more violence against pro-palestinian uh, students on his on his campus all the while crying about how students on campus are not safe what a piece of shit it's so cringe yeah it pisses me off no it's terrible i hate that um guy. and this last thing so i i don't know if i had seen uh, his post about the skunk posters, but it is very reminiscent or evocative of this uh, one um, previous anecdote that I wanted to bring up regarding, um, I already foreshadowed this a bit, but uh, Julia, I think it's Julia Rifkind or Rifkind, something like that. And she was a yeah. UC Davis student who ran, she was president of, um, of the Aggies for Israel, uh, you know, pro-Israel student body organization. She was an APAC intern. Our investigation into the role of the Israeli state at U.S. campuses led Tony to an employee at the embassy in Washington. She's American, and her job is to analyze BDS activity for the Israeli government. So like nobody really knows what we're doing, um, but mainly it's been a lot of like research, like monitoring EDS things and reporting it back to the Ministry of Foreign Affairs and like making sure everyone knows what's going on. They need a lot of research done and stuff like that. When they talk about it in Knesset, like usually I've like contributed to what the background information is. I'm not going to campuses. It's more about connecting organizations and, I guess, campuses, providing like resources and strategy of students needed. Is the Israeli embassy trying to leverage faculty? Yeah. 
Um, we're working with several faculty like advocacy groups that kind of train faculty so we're like helping them a little bit with like funding connections bringing them to speak having them speak to diplomats and people in the mfa that need this information so i kind of want to be that resource to show students like we appreciate you doing see what you're doing here's some information if you need anything at all we can connect to you just kind of be that person there for you Julia was president of the pro-Israel group at Davis, which is part of the University of California. Davis began as a center for agricultural studies, and its students are known as Aggies. During her collegiate career, the, uh, the UC Davis Student Council, I believe, or Student Senate, whatnot, um, held a vote to uh, a vote in support of uh, BDS, and they won it. Um, and she... So uh, she, in concert uh, with her quote-unquote team, um, which she was conferring with literally the Israeli consulate. Yeah, here we go. You've got the lobby. Perfect. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Definitely recommend folks watch this documentary if they haven't. Um, uh, this is great stuff. So she uh, was conferring with the, the Israeli consulate in San Francisco. She was receiving uh, legal advice from um from apac there was another organization another like israeli lobbying group that um she was conferring with but they put together a similar viral moment right where um they got all she organized all of these uc davis students to attend the the vote um and then uh they did this performative walkout um and shortly after the vote happened, um, suddenly swastikas appeared on uh, a, I think it was a Jewish fraternity at UC Davis, right? And AEP. what's so incredible about this Al Jazeera um, documentary and this, uh, yeah, there you go. There's the um, the shot of, uh, oh, sorry, of the, the fraternity that was defaced. Um, this undercover journalist interviews her. And at this point, she is now the, I think it's the director of community relations, something like that for the literal embassy, the Israeli embassy. And she goes, <laughs> unknowingly um, reveals that uh, they acted as if um, the, you know, the BDS activists were the, the ones responsible for the swastika. Um, they insinuated that the BDS activists were the ones that, you know, painted the swastika on the wall. Um, and then she reveals in that interview that we were just looking at that they actually had no idea where the swastika was from. I mean, some of her remarks, like, it's pretty shady. Uh, I mean, I don't want to do a vibes-based analysis, but, like, I yeah. mean, I wouldn't be – all I'll say is I wouldn't be shocked if uh, some some very media-savvy student uh, or, you know, maybe with direction from from the Israeli consulate was like, hey, go put that swastika up. <laughs> because it will turn into a firestorm for us and it will totally delegitimize um, um, BDS. And it pretty much had that, uh, that effect. The pro-BDS activists at UC Davis then faced another crisis. Two days after a resolution passed, unfortunately, someone defamed the Jewish frat house and um, had painted swastikas all over it. Outrageous, just not acceptable behavior at all. What was upsetting to us, however, was they had the media there right away. 
disturbing discovery for a UC Davis student. Uh, Jewish students found swastikas painted on their fraternity house in Davis. These swastikas were discovered that morning and around 10 a.m., my, my best guess, and I believe the news media were there by 11. Pro-Israel students say they feared recent events would lead to this. This week has been sort of a bad week to be Jewish on campus. After years of heated meetings, a student body passed a resolution Thursday urging UC Davis to end any affiliation with companies that support Israel. So this is not out of the blue. We're pretty sure this is directly related. Who were they finger pointing at? but us, us who were still on this high of finally getting this resolution passed still in high spirits just crushed us. Roseanne Barr tweeted, all the Jews should leave Davis and the rest of the school should be nuked. It was a crazy time, a general flooding of Islamophobia by the media. That's pretty surprising because it was very clear from their behavior towards us and their attitudes towards us that we had done some heinous crime to them and that we deserve to pay for it. Students who were part of the divestment movement painted swastikas on the fraternity. That's what she was hinting at. That's what she was trying to imply. Why would we act against our interests and, and do that at a moment when we were, I guess, victorious? The fact that it was just so quickly tossed onto us as those who had done this, it was damaging. It was hugely damaging. That was kind of our strategy. A lot of it was media-based, which is like kind of my interest in media. And I'd say that's like 99% of what it means to be successful. That happened. Then there was another swastika. It was just like every day something new was happening and I had to... It was weird because they won. Yeah. So you think if they would win, why would they do exactly. that? Exactly. Yeah. So, well, that was kind of our whole strategy. Is we knew they were going to win. Were you in touch with the embassy, or were you in touch with like any uh, groups? Pretty much or? all of the groups. Um, not the embassy. I guess our consulate. As well as the Israeli consulate in San Francisco, Julia's anti-BDS campaign had the guidance of several pro-Israel lobby groups. Stand with us helped us a little bit in terms of actual research on the speech. They gave us some like legal research type stuff. Um, I'm always biased and want to work with APAC, so they kind of helped for like more support. Um, and David Project helped us a little bit. It was more help like gaining contact in like the media world. I guess we needed money to pay for somebody to film the speech. Like we had a Davis faculty for Israel group, and like they were hugely helpful to us. They would, you know, because some of them were retired lawyers, so they'd write legal documents for us. They knew the administration. They were tenured. They had pull. By the way, did you hear them mention uh, "Stand with Us"? That organization shared Shai's open letter. Um, to hundreds of thousands of people across their social media. So there you go. Some of the very same organizations that helped Julia 
manufacture artificial virality for their propaganda moment also boosted Shy's video. So we've now got evidence of Shy colluding with uh, the following members of the Israeli lobby and campus surveillance dragnet. We've got Hillel. We have Stand With Us. We have hashtag uh, End Jewish Hatred, I believe, as well as the Lawfare Project. Covered that in the Year of the Tunnel special broadcast. I mean, of course, um, in response to this, uh, Shai would, uh, yeah, he would slander me as an uh, anti-Semite. And, um, blood libel. And he, and he would say it's blood libel. Yeah, blood libel. But, you know, I think it's a fair line of inquiry um, because there's, there is plenty of evidence. And of course, I'm not implying that anti-Semitism isn't real. Anti-Semitism is very real, and I I would be the first to concede oh, yeah. that in this moment, in this climate, I I don't doubt for a second that there's been an uptick in anti-Semitism. Um, but at the same time, I think that Israel very savvily uh, weaponizes and wields anti-Semitism as a cudgel to keep their you know their uh, international allies uh, in line um, and. Uh, present themselves as embattled. And it's part of the reason why, you know, uh, their allies, you know, you, you can never stop supporting us, um, because never again, right. As, as, as Dersh would say, uh, never again, but that refers to no more Nuremberg trials, I think. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. Um, well, we just looked the other day at, uh, it was 2017 or 2018. There was a, a young Israeli guy who, who, well, there was a whole bunch of like, like a oh, hundred different bombs at like yes. Israeli centers. And it, you know, it turns out it was just this, this Israeli kid. And then they chalked it up to him having like mental issues or something like that. Like, come Classic. on, the Zionism had nothing to do with it. Get the fuck out of yeah. here. Whether or not he was a witting. Yeah. The black, blacks rule. <laughs> he was definitely. Same energy. He was definitely influenced by the ideology, right? Like whether or not yeah, he was 100%. A, a witting, uh, vassal foot soldier yeah with calling in all those bomb threats yeah well i didn't know about this story with uh with the swastikas but that totally tracks that 100 percent totally tracks I, I love how zionists are like this is the perfect crime and then <laughs> they fucking shit the bed it's like come on you don't you don't think we would have think that one of you possibly did that one of these zionists freaks we see the zionists tripping over their balls and tits every day to like act like they're the victim and it's just like you're clearly not the victim you've never been the victim your, your grandparents were the victim perhaps of a genocide but that doesn't give you a free genocide pass and even then many of many of the zionists grandparents were um you know some of them were uh uh secular diasporic jews that um you know bought into zionism because they viewed it they were actually like anti-jewish right many of the architects of yeah. the of, of Zionism, uh, it, for them, it's entirely an ethnic project. It's an, you know, an ethno-fascist project. Yeah. It's, 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 it's not a religious project, you guys. It's a political project. For sure. Yeah. I had to ban somebody from chat. Sorry about that. Um, yeah. 
Okay, where are we? We've covered a lot of ground. You, you doing okay? I know I know we, we were talking about a stop at one, and then we said we can go over. You doing okay? I'm, yeah, uh, I'm, Klani, I'm you doing, doing okay? good, man. No, I'm, okay. I'm in it now. So. What, is, what else do we have to cook? Um, yeah, what else do we have to cook ooh, on? I mean, we've touched a lot. Yeah, yeah I think we're getting close. Uh, one other thing that I would be remiss if I didn't mention, talking about the ways in which uh, Israel will kind of like pull the puppet strings of these different um, lobbying groups intel proxies uh for a variety of means it, it appears that that shy um is being utilized for a very specific purpose and this is aside from his you know his propagandizing acting as a as a mouthpiece of israel so i went on his personal website um and he has put together this new initiative called react um and let me see, let me try and find my notes on this. Okay, so yeah, speaking of possible uh, indication of foreign backing, another thing for listeners to track would be uh, Davidai's new REACT initiative. And REACT stands for Research Against Contemporary and Traditional Anti-Semitism. This is a post-October 7th thing, and by all appearances, though who knows, perhaps they were uh, already putting it in place preemptively, which, you know, they have a tendency of doing. Mm. So, um, I mean, them, uh, referring to Israel, not being the only ones, of course. Um, but, uh, essentially shy is attempting to organize researchers in the social sciences to quote, combat antisemitism, unquote, which we should really read as, you know, critiques of Israel, popular movements decrying the genocide and the uh, ethnostates human rights abuses. And to opt in, you have to commit to the following action-oriented steps. Quote, the goal of this initiative is to be action-oriented and bring anti-Semitism as a scientific topic of inquiry to the forefront of all fields across the social sciences. The concrete first step will be to complete at least 10 preprints devoted to the topic of anti-Semitism by October 1st, 2024, the end of the current Jewish year. To achieve this goal, the network of researchers will be split into groups of four to five, each devoted to a different research project, um, and it goes on. So essentially, yeah. he's trying to uh, you know, foment an upsurge of research papers studying anti-Semitism in academic journals, a very canny means of weaponizing the social sciences intelligentsia to undergird Israel's Hasbara and massive propaganda operation um, with these studies that will reinforce these arguments that we've been talking about that, you know, anti-Semitism is cresting, um, which is very convenient. Um, so, yeah, that's another example that feels a little evocative of like the stuff that's happened on uh, at, at UC Davis. Um, and it'll be very interesting to see what happens uh, with it, with this whole thing. Um, something worth tracking for sure. Yeah. And, and, and if I could do a little color commentary, which is that, you know, we, the context that we need to understand here, chat, is that they're calling you know, resistance to Israeli genocide of Palestinians. They're starting to call that anti-Semitism. We saw a Zionist guy in a in a coffee shop yesterday flip out over this over this person who was on their laptop, and they were crying about the the person's laptop's stickers. 
And it wasn't until the end of the video that we see the sticker, but the guy is saying, oh, well, the sticker, the sticker says that I should be stoned to exactly. death. And, and the person behind the computer is like, what? It's not, that's not what it says. Do you want to know what the sticker said? Free Gaza. <laughs> yeah. So there, these people imagine anti-Semitism where it's not. And we also have to uh, admit to ourselves and explain that Zionists are probably the most guilty maybe perhaps uh, save for literal Nazis of the rising anti-Semitism. Yeah. How is that? How does that work? Well, Zionists are committing a genocide right now. Anyone who's able to pay attention is able to see that these people are despicably evil and it has nothing to do with their religion. It has, has, and it has everything to do with their political project. Absolutely. But what they do, the Zionists do is they equate Judaism with Zionism, and they they don't want you to see that there's any difference between those two. So they're actually telling you, oh, it's actually the Jews that are doing the genocide, and if you oppose that, you're anti-Jewish. You know what? That is totally fucked up. So because there are obviously anti-Zionist Jews that are out there. They're saying, you know what? Stop doing the genocide, and and of course they're they're being called self-hating Jews. It's it's just like this this oh my god. So yeah, it's the Zionists that are most guilty, other than perhaps like you know, the Roseanne bars of the world and, and the, the, the Nazis right. for this rise of anti, of, of anti-Semitism. Um, and we're going to see as, as we already starting to see on the campus of, of, uh, of Columbia, that people are being attacked for, for critiquing Zionists. And it's only, it's only a matter of time before an anti-Zionist Jew is also attacked and perhaps killed and then what are the Zionists going to do? They're going to be like, see, here's this anti-Semitism. And they're not going to take any credit for it, despite the fact that they've got blood on their hands. Well put. Yeah. So this is what we're heading to. Uh, and it's, it's really disgusting to see in real time. Um, yeah. One of the things that I find so interesting about this React initiative is um, yeah. how it's so subtle and, yeah, kind of covert compared to the more surface level, ways in which the Israeli um, Hasbarists, Hasbara artists, um, you know, put out all of this propaganda um, and have, obviously have um, extensive media contacts that they can call on, a ton of influence within mainstream media, right? We, we all recognize this. Mm. Um, but to see this example of, of this guy who is also acting as a propagandist, but then is doing this more, you know, um, kind of not, not undercover, but uh, a little more behind the scenes um, organizing of academics to put together these yeah, these very disingenuous um, and just cynical uh, ideological and academic arguments, purported scholarly arguments for why, you know, uh, critiques of Israel do equate anti-Semitism um, is, is very interesting indeed. And it, yeah, it's, it's funny to look at, like, I guess we never really got to this, but some of his studies regarding um, the zero sum perceptions of like capitalism, uh, labor relations. So, so we also look at how, yeah, I mean, uh, Davidai is basically, um, he's like a good little, uh, anti-communist, um, as well. Right. Uh, and so the, the ways in which these realities overlap is, is also, um, in, in my mind, uh, instructive, uh, and, part of a, a very storied tradition. Uh, he's kind of, he's a, uh, he reminds me of Arthur uh, Kosler, um, 
who was uh yep who was a uh zionist asset and um was actually connected to that guy uh eric jan hanusen he was a he was a writer um he interviewed eric jan hanusen at one point um and he later went on to uh he was he was deeply involved with the congress for cultural freedom uh if so folks are probably familiar with that but a uh I've read a few yeah, books. Yeah, um, that totally tracks. One hundred percent tracks the uh, the uh, the compatible left. Everybody. Exactly. They they act like they're leftists. They act like they stand for like social justice. But when it comes down to it, they're fascists. Yeah, he was one of the worst. Um, and like McCarthy and a young Richard Nixon, I believe, um, actually put forward uh, passed a an act to get him to grant him uh i can't remember whether it was residency or citizenship one of the two um but but yeah he was all tied up yeah he was a cia asset for for sure um and heavily involved in uh the congress for cultural freedom um and earlier on he had been in these like uh like in the 1920s uh he was in a (laughs) this is great a zionist uh dueling fraternity (laughs) um and then he was uh, the first rule about zionist dueling fraternity is you don't talk about zionist dueling <laughs> fraternity i think that's the first rule yeah but go probably on. so I'll allow and, it. and he was i think he was also in a is it bitar is am i pronouncing that correctly the zionist youth uh, organization that's new to me. um yeah so he's another interesting figure uh there there are some comparisons that you could draw between uh shy and yeah and uh Kostler. Um, maybe before we wrap it up, we have uh, something else important that we want to talk about that we, excuse me, touched on earlier, which is the the recent APAC story oh, yeah. from the Lever. Let's see if I can pull that one up. Do you have anyone have that link? Do you have that link handy? You can drop it in the Zencaster or something, or or is it on your is it on your Twitter? Where can I find this? It is a subscription world. Uh, I think you have to like sign up with an email. Um, oh, the lever. Let me yeah, see. That's um, not, I'm not going to do that. Quickly scrolling through my tabs to try. I just have too many open. I got one for you. I got, I got, I got your, your screen caps. APAC using those OnlyFans goon bucks. Oh my God. We're talking about gooning again <laughs> to fly a plane into nine 11 truther Jamal Bowman's campaign on behalf of their foreign handlers. This sort of, I guess this sort of touches on it a little yeah, bit. Yeah, this touches. I mean, this is, you know, this is obviously uh, an attempt at comedy, but, um, but yeah, this, this gets into, <laughs> this gets into it um, for sure. But, uh, but the gist is there was information that came out in the last day or so. And I think the lever helped to, uh, to pull that out, which is that APAC is being uh, funded by one of the founders of OnlyFans who gave them a, an $11 million uh, donation. Yes. And then tried to, and then, and then in a conversation with the lever, I don't know if I could, was looking at this just earlier today here. I got, I got, I got, uh, it's Leonid um, Radvinsky. Only f- Leonid Radvinsky, who gets a cut of his employees, sex work earnings. I, be- I believe we call that a pimp is the top donor to APAC, the uh, Israeli lobby. Um, since October 7th, he's pledged $11 million to help APAC lobby us lawmakers on behalf of Israel. Um, and this is what the guy looks like. He looks like a fucking freak. And in in the in the in when the lever I don't know who was who was interviewing him, uh, but they they were interviewing the guy, and he says in an email he says I didn't donate or pledge eleven million dollars. This applies to me, my foundation, my family, which he probably should have left out. Yeah, he should. Because when the when the lever asked him whether APAC had listed why they listed him as a donor, he replied, Well, I don't know. 
I don't know. And then when the lever asked Redvinsky to comment on internal APAC documentation showing a wire transfer from his wife to APAC, he stopped responding. It's her name's funny as well, uh, isn't it? Yeah. I'm trying to remember her last name, but it's Chud something. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Let's go. Let's go. I can't remember. It's like, yeah, somebody in the chat might have it. Yeah, dude, that's, that's that wild. this whole story is blowing so, my mind. Um, this is pretty bad, right? This could be really bad. Like, what could this mean for these young men and women and they thems who made uh, nudes and and lewd content? You know, I don't I don't mean to speak of it in a pejoratively, um, but they made this content specifically and and they allow specific people to look at it. What could this mean for these people? Could this be worse than we realize? I think so. I mean, because we're talking about Zionists here, right? Zionists who are Im- implicitly or explicitly supportive of genocide, the worst crime on the books. What could this mean for these young people? Yeah. So this this takes us into a speculative territory, of course. But um, yes, totally. Yeah, fair. I guess uh, something that I'll point out: um, some history that his purchase of OnlyFans coincides with um, would be the fact that. Leonid purchased OF in, in 2018, um, and this was right smack dab in the heyday, the ramping up of this larger Israeli um, anti-BDS campus activism, pro-Palestinian okay. activism dragnet that they've been building um, since the like late 20-teens, right? Um, so he purchased OF in 2018, um, and this was right around the time the Ministry of Foreign Affairs began allocating millions of dollars annually to combating BDS on campuses. And something that I'll additionally point out is the fact that uh, OF is very obviously catering to Zoomers, to, to, to Gen Zers, to millennials, right? Um, one yeah. fifth of OnlyFan creators, um, and this is per a, 22, a 2022 survey, I believe, one fifth of OnlyFan creators are students. So we've got evidence of, you know, Israel going to great lengths to surveil and uh, target and threaten and dox uh, student activists um, and even, you know, uh, attack them. Like we've got recent evidence of that, too. Right. Um, And and then we've got this guy who is donating, you know, millions of dollars since October 7th to APAC uh, who purchases OnlyFans. Uh, just like five years ago. And um, since then, there's been a significant uptick in like both, um, you know, subscriber numbers, creator numbers. And I think the, this dynamic um, where a large subset of uh, a large fraction of the, the creators are young people has just been reinforced, right? So the wonderment would be, could this be a fully automated uh honeypot system or you know means of of compiling compromise would would be the question as in they're going to use this against these young women and men to not speak out in favor of bds to not speak out against israel um and to control their lives in one way shape or form yeah i I mean i think it's possible uh you know it probably only in the most extreme cases uh would it reach that point? But I'm sure that there are like, you can find um, plenty of uh, stories about 
like folks having their their OnlyFans content leaked, right? Um, we see this yeah. routinely, uh, and um, yeah, and and also we've seen an uptick or uh, an influx, uh, a change in the in opinions and uh, the zeitgeist as far as like yeah sentiment towards uh, sex work, right? And there's been an effort to to normalize um, sex work among elected officials too, which I'll point out. There was the democratic candidate in Virginia that, uh, was, um, streaming, you know, having sleeping with her husband, right. I can't remember her name off the top of my head. And then there was another, um, only fan, former only fans creator who, um, recently was, I think running to become a representative. I can't remember her name either, but those were two examples that I've uh, that I was coming up with. Um, so all, all of that is to say that I guess I would say, I don't think it's realistic that, that like the weaponization of that kind of content is routine or, you know, that that's happening a ton. Um, but I do right. think it's almost like a, uh, like a contingency plan or, you know, another card that they could have like up their sleeve and yeah. Um, and yeah. it serves, we just, we know that the, like Epstein is an example of this, right. Uh, we, we, the, the evidence of, you know, his connections to friends of the IDF, um, his connection to, uh, Ehud Barak, you know, former, uh, PM, um, obviously sex trafficking is used as a means of building, um, inner class capitalist class solidarity, right. And, and also keeping people, uh, keeping people from breaking ranks. Um, it seems in, in my personal opinion and, uh, yeah, that's, that's what Compromot's for. So, um, even just having, you know, having all of that on hand, uh, on the off chance that like someone does go on to become a rep, uh, you know, or, or a powerful person, um, would be useful. And we just got to keep in mind the context here, which is that we're talking about people who are supporting the worst crime on the books, genocide. What would make anyone think that they wouldn't support a so-called smaller crime in order to support that bigger project of theirs. Great point. Yeah. Um, we have to just, we just have to like realize that we're not talking about good people here. Yeah. Um, so anything, anything could happen. Um, and I, I, I don't trust a Zionist. I'm sorry. Yeah. Yeah. It's I'm yeah. Sorry. Like you can catch yourself like humanizing, uh, the people, you know, uh, the people in positions of power who are, um, behind the regime right uh unintentionally you know but that, that's like that's a great point like you're saying like we're, we're talking about people who have, have slaughtered what is it now Twenty-seven thousand palestinians the uh if not the majority or a plurality of whom are our children and and women um and just you know we've all seen the we've seen the videos like just the most hellish condition material conditions and br um, brutalization that like you could ever imagine that's been meted out on Palestinians. So of course, yeah, it's a great point. The people that are, that are willing to do that, willing to drop J dams on fucking, uh, UN schools and, uh, yeah, snipe, snipe, like anyone that walks within a window of a, a hospital, of course, they're not going to have any issue with collecting, you know, reams and reams and reams of, uh, sexually compromising, footage 
and and this is one of Israel's strengths, to be honest, is to find this kind of compromat and use against uh, use it against folks in one way, shape, or form. Yeah, I think so. Um, all the way from college campuses here in the United States to who knows how many uh, congressmen and congresspeople and and how many senators. Who the fuck knows? Um, uh, what do we think here? Do we want to start wrapping it up? I'm going to go ahead and ask my 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 you know, my chat if they have any questions for you. Was uh, Kalani? Was there anything we left out that we wanted to touch on really quickly here? I really uh, appreciate your time. No, it's no, this a is a pleasure for me. Thank you. No, it's been Thank a so blast much. for me. Yeah, no, I think we've covered our so, bases, awesome. and yeah, uh, it was a pleasure. Covered a lot. I think so. So, um, we got a question. What are your your thoughts on why they're carrying out the genocide? Just generally speaking, Ooh. is it a conviction of the biblical narrative? That's what some people say. Are they imported psychopaths and they have insatiable insatiable bloodlust? Is it a superiority complex? Isn't it all the above? Yeah, isn't it sort of all of the all of these things that Leo's saying? Yeah. So I think there are varying factions uh, within the Israeli political elite, and then also their supporters stateside. Um, if you want more formulated thoughts uh, related to this stuff from me, um, check out uh, my episode, Year of the Tunnel. Uh, I, I've got another one coming out on that. Mm. That's the one regarding Chabad Lubavitch. Um, and Chabad is an example of an ultra-Zionist uh, group that props up the the ethnostate, the um the Zionist entity, um, and also serves a variety of purposes. Um, you know, they have these worldwide emissaries, these, uh, these shlukim and much of Chabad is messianic. Um, there, there is a faction of Chabad that believes that their last, uh, rabbi, the Rebbe Schneerson, uh, was the actual Messiah incarnate and, or Mashiach. And that, um, when he, so he died, he passed away, and this was a real uh, moment of truth for those elements of Chabad, right? But some of them continue to maintain um, that he's actually going to be resurrected. And the thing I'll say is, so the Rebbe Schneerson, during his uh, his um, Lubavitcher court, um, he uh, rendezvoused, met with, um, I believe it was seven different Israeli prime ministers. He became the, the you know, chief of Chabad uh, like three years after the creation of Israel. And pretty much every prime minister from 1951 until his death um, came and sat at the foot of the, the Rebbe, conferred with him. Um, and he made a prophecy that he prophesied that Bibi Netanyahu would pass the scepter off to Mashiach. So... Chabad is an example of this mesochist Hasidic faction that are actually trying to exert influence on Israel to turn it into more of a theocracy. Um, so I think, you know, like when we hear uh, Netanyahu talk about Amalek, right, um, and, and use some of this like biblical language, I think that kind of connects to his uh, his relationship with the, the Rebbe um, and... He's playing on that. Do I actually think that Bibi Netanyahu is a, a messianist uh, or mesochist himself? Not necessarily. Um, I think that there's another cohort, you know, another faction in Israel that is strictly secular, that is just like, like Dan was saying, uh, you know, is creating this political project, this ethnic 
trying to build this ethnic majority, you know, I mean, to call it, we shouldn't even call it ethnic, but like, that's what they're attempting to do. Right. And, um, yeah. yeah. Uh, and so I think, I think there are some differences along. Yeah. There, there are some battle lines there and, um, people vying for, uh, maximal influence, um, and whether it's a psyop or not, I have no idea. You, you know, you never really know. Um, but stateside, we've also got the like Christian Zionist faction too, right. Who play into some of, mm-hmm. though, of course their like millenarianism is, is different and of a Christian nature, but they often ally with, you know, uh, groups like Chabad, um, who view Israel as the key to bringing about this apocalyptic eschatological um end times and uh i don't know it's crazy if uh you can listen to i put out an episode or two with uh, christ koopa um that touches on some of these subjects and uh, also we talk about like uh other is um other jewish campus organizations uh at yale specifically um that I don't know if people have been following this, but Benny Shabtai, another Epstein uh, affiliate um, who's currently embroiled in a scandal because his stepdaughter accused him of threatening to disappear her if she spoke up about his sexual harassment and assault. Um, And he is big with friends of the IDF, another one of these, this like military um, Israeli lobbying group, right? And he started this... uh, this campus organization uh, at Yale that I think I think it's Vivek Ramaswamy is a graduate of it, right? Um, so we also touch on that stuff if that if that's of interest. Whoa, whoa, that's right up my alley. I I, I just really I, I think I'm gonna love listening to your content even more. the The first uh, episode I pulled up was last night, and I was digging it, digging it. Very much. I, I like the way you go about explaining things, and it just helps connect the dots for a lot of us. Right on. Thanks, man. Uh, who who don't even know what the dots are, and you identify them for us, and then you connect them for us, and that is that is really helpful. Yeah, really good stuff. I, I feel like that's a great uh, great spot to wrap it up. What do you think, Kalani? Uh, yeah, this has been a blast. Thanks for having me on. Great. It's my my pleasure. My pleasure. This is a, a really a really great uh, great time for me. Um, all right. Well, folks, you can follow Kalani on on Twitter. Here's the link, Klonipin underscore gosh. Great. And you got the link tree as well. I'll give you that in the in the chat, and that will take you to the podcast, which you can listen to on – thank you very much – which you can listen to on Spotify. You got a Patreon. Tell us about your Patreon oh, real yeah. quick. It's a little different. It looks like it focuses on uh, Boston, Boston. That was like the first series that I ever um, put out, this secret history of Massachusetts. Uh, so getting into like very localized sus colonial history, uh, in Massachusetts. Um, so yeah, that's how I started, started the podcast, but, um, it is not a Massachusetts or Boston, uh, strictly Boston content show by any means. No, I've I've expanded my horizons. Um, but, but yeah, uh, yeah, I've got a Patreon. Uh, that's how you can access the the Independent Corkboard Researchers Union uh, premium feed, um, and so you can you can sub there and uh, access the entire catalog of uh, all of the the episodes that I've put out thus far. Um, 
probably going to be adding at least some of this to the next uh, Year of the Tunnel EP, since Dan so kindly gave me uh, permission to do so. So, um, yeah, Yeah. you you can even get a a, a repeat uh, of of some of our remarks, but there will be additional information in there, too. So, um, yeah, just thankful for Dan having me on and, uh, I'll, I'll also be psyched to, to promote, um, your content oh, as well. Thank you. Oh, my pleasure. I really appreciate having you here. This was a blast. Uh, I just really wanted to spell out some of this stuff because I, I see, you know, I was, I'm thinking about this, this student that I follow on Twitter, uh, at, at Columbia who was attacked and I'm like, well, wouldn't it be really helpful for these people to understand who shy David I is, what his connections are, why he is the way that he is. And, uh, and so that they can, you know, wrap that into their analysis about, about, about their world and their experience over there at Columbia university and, and, the, and, you know, other places where they're having to deal with, um, Zionists on campus. No doubt. I think we took him to task. Awesome. Awesome. Well, we'll leave it right there. Clonnie, thank you so much. You've been wonderful. I really appreciate talking with you. I really appreciate your time. I know that that this took about two hours, but uh, I feel like we could have gone on for, for much longer. But I, I really appreciate it. Thank you no, again. Thank you, man. Most and uh, we'll see you next time. Thank Sounds... you so much, comrade. Have a yeah. wonderful day. Likewise. Thanks, comrade.